This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, along with Super Bowl champion Chris Canty. Although today, he's a cowboy and not a giant. Michelle Smolman. Evan Cohen with you. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and all of our great stations across the country. The San Francisco 49ers were unbelievable yesterday. Mike Tomlin against uh, them, obviously saying that they got kicked in the teeth. The San Francisco 49ers kicked the Steelers in the teeth. So before we get into the game part of it, either of you ever got kicked in the teeth in your life? No. Like No, never yeah. kicked in the teeth. No. Never happened. Never like by accident during a game? No. Well, I guess a guy, a foot couldn't really get in there. No. Unless your helmet ne- got never, knocked Never off. the literal kicked in the teeth. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, a couple of figurative ones on yeah. football games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you that think happens. of that, the game that comes to mind the most. Uh, New York Giants, and I was a member of the Dallas Cowboys, we started Brooks Bollinger. Don't, don't laugh at that. That's Brooks my favorite Bollinger. Wisconsin quarterback of all time. Yeah, he was yeah. there when I was he, in school. He was great, great at Wisconsin? Yeah. Not great in the NFL. <laughs> How dare have, you having, take a shot having, at Brooks Bollinger? Well, I, of course, I, I figured you would appreciate okay, that. Ahead. No, I had to take it. Listen, it was uninspiring. Having Brooks Bollinger as your starting quarterback doesn't invoke a lot of confidence in your sure, defense. Sure. And that was a slow, lonely death on that field that night in MetLife Stadium. Well, that Just Brooks saying. Bollinger beat your school many times, Smalls. Everybody did. Well, that's true. They beat it. Wisconsin, <laughs> right? they beat Illinois a lot. Oh, please, let's not talk about college football because my school lost to JMU this weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. was it? JMU, it's not great. Uh, it wasn't a great weekend for the desk. No, uh, no, not at all. My school lost not to Washington State. Shout yeah. out to my buddy Pat Chun, the AD there, but I don't like that his team beat my team this weekend. Anyway, yeah. uh, Niners beat the Steelers yesterday 30-7, to okay? And when you look at what they did, Brandon Ayuk, 8 for 129 and two touchdowns. CMC at 22 carries, 152 yards and a touchdown. That's Christian McCaffrey. And Brock Purdy just did his job. He continues to do his job, Smalls. 19 of 29, 220, and two touchdowns. They dominated. They look like not only the best team in the NFC, they just looked like the best team in the NFL yesterday. They absolutely did. What did Nick Bosa say after the game that Brock Purdy shut some haters up? He absolutely did. He was precise yesterday. You were wondering about what that elbow would be like after he spent uh, months rehabbing it. But Brock Purdy looks legit. And we knew the San Francisco 49ers defense was going to be legit. But now that Brock Purdy looks like he's going to be that guy, this is a team that is a force to be reckoned with. I think they look like the best team in the NFC. Yeah, and, and we got the graphic on the screen for those of you listening on the radio. But listen, Brock Purdy targeting wide receivers yesterday had an 81% completion percentage. Now, for context, last year was 64%, but he was 13 of 16 for 184 yards and two touchdowns targeting wide receivers yesterday. And, of course, Brandon Ayu, chief among them. And what that tells me is that he has evolved in Kyle Shanahan's offense, mm-hmm. like his understanding of the offense, how to use the playmakers around him. If he can use those wide receivers – that opens up the field for Christian McCaffrey and for the run game, which is what Kyle Shanahan really wants to do in the first place, right? Kyle Shanahan is an inside-outside zone running scheme head coach. That is what he wants his offense to be about. Explain, that, said, explain what that means. Well, exactly. inside, well basically it's hand the, run, hand the ball off, zone running scheme, similar to what we saw with his dad, Mike Shanahan, with the Denver Broncos when he had rushing champ after rushing champ, Orlandis Gary, Terrell Davis, all of those guys. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. We're going to hand the ball off, allow the running back to get one cutting downhill. And here's the thing. If Brock Purdy can take advantage of those loaded boxes and exploit that, 
then he's not going to see that many loaded boxes. You're going to start seeing more shell coverages, which means more of what we saw from Christian McCaffrey yesterday. Being able to go off, 112 of his 153 yards came after first contact. So Christian McCaffrey is always going to make the first guy miss. But if you don't have that extra defender down in the box, that means more explosive runs. That means an offense that really has no weaknesses, and it's going to be tough for defenses to slow down the San Francisco 49ers offense if Brock Purdy can have that kind of efficiency throwing to his wide receivers. Well, we heard on the, on the highlight there, courtesy of KNBR, the excitement around the San Francisco 49ers, and a couple of things with this team. So I have a theory with all NFL teams, and I think you're successful in the league with, with simply one um, sentence. Can your a question, can your quarterback outperform his contract? Brock Purdy is paid so little yep. that it's easy for him to outperform his contract, mm-hmm. right? And Smalls, you brought up a great point. Like, we forget the entire offseason was all about, is he going to be healthy enough to play, right? What are they going to do with Trey Lance now with the Cowboys? Sam Darnold was brought in. Could he be the starter? We even talked about that, the idea that maybe Darnold was going to start the first couple of games in the season. Well, he gets injured in that game against the Eagles and not in the playoffs. And now, obviously, or even before that, now he's, he's back and he's playing well. But there was another note put out there by our very own Field Yates this weekend that I think is one of the most interesting notes of the entire NFL weekend, and it flew under the radar. So we're sitting here, and Jerry, our great TV producer, put up the odds to win a championship on the TV side on 2 and you that third best odds right now to win it all, San Francisco 49ers. So we're all acknowledging they are really good, right? Well, Field Yates put out this weekend that the Niners restructured the contract of their defensive lineman, Eric Armstead, creating an extra $11.78 million in cap space. What Field said was even after signing Nick Bosa to the largest non-QB contract ever, the 49ers have $41.5 million in cap space to begin the regular season, meaning for this year. Now, obviously, the cap is odd in the way they go about it, but I saw that, and the first thing I thought of was, well— if Purdy is not that good, which he was yesterday, he was, he was good. Outstanding. Yes, <laughs> they can replace him in season with somebody who's really good. Wow. And if he is really good, anyone that becomes available, anyone they could go get. Mike yeah. Evans, you want to go get him from Tampa? Now they may not trade him after their win yesterday, right. but Cece, this is a sneaky point that we need to keep an eye on. The Niners are really good, and very few teams, as you know, can get better in season. They can. Yeah, they have the flexibility to be able to add a star player if a team falls out of it, right? So if they want to, so think. if they want to address their defensive secondary, add another corner, which most teams want to do at the trade deadline, because you can never have enough good corners, just like you can never have enough good pass rushers. The 49ers have the cap flexibility to do it, so it's safe to assume that this team right now is not as good as their going to be that's once, crazy to once, think once we get to december but they already look like yeah. the best team in football yesterday i mean because think about it the pittsburgh steelers are always going to be known to be well coached mm-hmm. they're going to be physically tough and they got mauled on both sides of the ball if i were to ask you what the steelers identity would be most of us would say the defense and specifically the front seven well they got run over yesterday to the tune of 34 rush attempts for 188 yards they, i mean the running backs were hitting their head on the goalpost. That was embarrassing. Wait, go back to the Steelers Steelers for a second. So when you were playing, was there a team that you were just like, oh, God, we got to play them. I I don't want to have to play them. I'm going to get beat up by the end. Like, are the Steelers that team that even if you're going to beat them, you're just like, do I need this right now? The Steelers always make you earn your victories. Like the Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, there are a few teams that you're saying, you know what, that team is going to be physically tough. They're going to be rugged. No matter what. You can go in there and beat them. But they're going to take their pound of flesh. That wasn't the case yesterday. Again, the offense of the Steelers 
didn't get their first first down until a minute and a half left in the first half. Did you see the stat? The was, first half. Wow. At one point, Smalls, it was 199 to 1 yards comparison. Yeah. Niners had 199, Steelers had 1. That's yeah. brutal. Yeah, uh, I think the wheels fell off of the Pickett to Pickens bandwagon. Yeah, that, that I was of, just going to say <laughs> that. That fell off a little bit. Yeah, that was another thing that we kept talking about heading into this game. So many people who covered the Steelers or who had been there in uh, the preseason were saying, Kenny Pickett's going to surprise some people. He's going. He might be the guy for Pittsburgh. Just wait. He surprised Mike Tomlin yesterday because I'm sure great. he didn't think he was going to play that bad. I don't think he thought he was going to get sacked five times. <laughs> Fair point. I also don't, will never understand the double glove thing for a quarterback. It drives me crazy. As a former quarterback myself, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously. I don't, I don't understand the double glove. Think about throwing the ball with the gloves. And I understand that everybody makes a big deal about his small hands. I don't, that doesn't make your hand bigger. He wears, Kenny Pickett wears the double glove. He wears the glove on the throwing hand, which I will never understand. Can, can I ask you a question about Brock Purdy? Yeah, the quarterback? quarterback, yeah. yeah I, just, I just want to ask this question. <laughs> where, where is he when we stack up the NFC quarterbacks? Where is Brock? Like, like at this point, like we got to start believing in what we saw at the end of last season and what we saw yesterday, right? I, I mean, is he in the conversation to be the second best quarterback in the NFC? I know Matt Stafford had a day. Uh, well, had a quarter or a half, whatever you want to say. He had enough of a day. He yeah, had enough of a day. You know, uh, Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts. But, I mean, I, I, where is Brock Purdy when we start breaking down the pantheon of NFC quarterbacks? Are you feeling more confident about Brock Purdy right now than Dak Prescott? Yes. Because to me, that's the barometer, right? I'm always going to put Jalen Hurts at the top. Matt yeah. Stafford has won a Super Bowl. We know what he can do, even though he's at a certain point in his career. To me, it's how comfortable are you to put him in the same conversation with a Dak Prescott, who I, I would say is probably naturally the next quarterback you'd throw into the mix there. I think I'm, I'm comfortable enough to put Brock Purdy in the conversation with Matthew Stafford and his ability. Wow. I think he's that good. Here's Even though the, it's a smaller sample size? That's the point. It's a small sample size, but, I mean, what was Matt Stafford before the 2021 season? He was just a quarterback that couldn't get it done in the rare appearances that he had in the playoffs. Yeah, but his individual numbers were ridiculous yeah. up until then. Okay, individual numbers and stats are great, and I get that they keep track for a reason, but in terms of being able to quantify a quarterback's impact on his team winning, there's no denying what Brock Purdy brought to the table. He was the best quarterback when it comes to touchdowns to interception ratio in the final, what, five games that he started in 2022? He took his team to the NFC Championship game. Who knows what that game would have been like had he not injured his UCL. Mm -hmm. And now he's starting this season off of a UCL with that type of performance. So I think that Brock Purdy, well, so he's played 10 games in his career, right? 15 touchdowns, four interceptions in his entire career. Here's what I'll say on this. And I, I look at this as a compliment, not an insult. In an expansion draft, on a blank roster, Brock Purdy's not going to be a top-five pick. But situational fit, he's a top-five quarterback in the league right now relative to his coach and his team. There, there may not be four guys that you can come up with that fit their coach and their team better than Brock Purdy does. Mahomes does. Yeah. Burrow, well, outside of yesterday yeah, yeah, does. Burrow does. Burrow does. Allen does. Hurts does. Yeah, but I guess my Who else, point, uh, Tua does. I, I guess my point is this, though. What you just outlined, a perfect situational fit based on what's around him. Didn't we say that once upon a time about Tom Brady oh, in the I, early I, 2000s? I, yeah, I was thinking that. Didn't we, <laughs> didn't we say that about, oh, he's got a really good defense around yeah, him. Yeah. He's got a lot of veterans around him. He's got a great head coach around him. And then he evolved to being the best quarterback the history of the game. Right. I'm not saying that that's going to happen with Brock Purdy, but I don't think we can sit here today and say it can't happen with Brock Purdy. And that's the point. That's how impressive he's been since he's taken over the starting job. Well, Brady, as you said, went from situational fit to first pick in an expansion draft. Like, he evolved into that, right? And Meaning that he's the greatest player in the history of the sport. 
Purdy right now is just elite situational fit, mm-hmm. which is not an insult. Like, I hate when people say game manager is an insult. It, Brock Purdy manages the game better than anyone else has under Kyle Shanahan, including Jimmy G. And they got to a Super Bowl with Jimmy G, right? right? I just think that Brock Purdy's situational fit is a top five, maybe top ten, because I, I left two out. Well, well, two the, the, Mike the, McDaniel the only reason together. we're saying that is because we have such a small sample size. Right. That's the only Correct. reason we're saying that. But based on the way that things are trending, his overall trajectory in, in conjunction with where this team is projected to be at the end of the season, yeah, Brock Purdy is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC. I think he's firmly in that conversation, top two, three quarterbacks in the conference. I think because I think we're playing results, obviously, of the situation he's in. But that's not a bad thing. That means that he, they have a chance to actually go to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. He's been phenomenal for them. All right, we're going to get more of your phone calls. We want to hear from you guys at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We want the most sportsmanlike and unsportsmanlike moments of the weekend, best and worst of the weekend, funniest of the weekend. Like, I don't know, Jim Harbaugh, instead of coaching Michigan, was working the chain gang at his son's high school <laughs> football game as one of those unsportsmanlike moments. So we want to hear from you at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 888-729- Two nine three seven seven six. Your most sportsmanlike and unsportsmanlike moments of the weekend coming up. Did Tua's performance yesterday prove the Dolphins made the right decision in taking him over Justin Herbert? We'll get to that next. It's unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two. Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again. By visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. ESPN2, ESPNU, where if you're watching, you'll see Candy Dance, Sirius XM Channel 80, and of course all of our great ESPN stations across the country. The Highlights uh-huh. Dolphins Radio okay. Network. What's, What's up? up? Shut up. <laughs> That's what we're saying to all the Tua haters, right? That's oh, what, that's what Tua and I people are saying right now. Shut up. They don't want to hear any criticism for Tua. I, admittedly, I've been converted. I'm a believer now. I'm a believer. Of Tua and I? I'm a believer. <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm in Tua and on. I'm a believer in Tua. How could you not be after that game yesterday? What a feature, by the way, before the game on Countdown. Jeff Darlington, ESPN, on Mike McDaniel, head coach of the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. 
and talking about his recovery from alcohol abuse and his addiction there and what he's done, which is just a remarkable story. And kudos to Darlington and Mike McDaniel. I know that was the point of this story. My point is the guy leaves this house at 224 in the morning. Can yeah, we talk about that, please, for wild. a second? That is Is wild. that normal for a coach? No, 224 that's not, that's a.m.? Not, that's not normal. That's I not wonder normal. why 224. That's so hyper-specific, too, you know what I mean? Yeah, just like he has 865 yeah. written everywhere on his desk because that's the number of days he was out of the National Football League when he got fired by Gary Kubiak in Houston. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, this is... Wait, this you is, took it as he leaves every day at 224 or he left that day at 224? Well, he gets to the office before 3 o'clock yeah. in the morning. Yeah. That's his thing. So I guess he has it timed out. But don't you think you'd be at 230, 245? <laughs> Just in North- 224 okay, feels like, so I mean, Yeah, if you, if you get to the building at 315, you're still going to be the first one in the <laughs> exactly, building. Exactly. Like, you don't have to make sure that you get there before 3. Exactly. But it just shows you that it means something to him. And I actually appreciate it. That, 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 that uh, I guess, special by Jeff Darlington makes him much more relatable to the average fan. But I'm totally. pretty sure that it makes him more relatable to his players, too. I, like, I, this is somebody that struggled with something and yes. found a way to be able to overcome it. And live his dream at the highest level. Absolutely. I got to out myself on something What's based up? on what Smalls just said. Okay, that like 224, why, why not 230 or 220? Yeah. When I get gas, it has to be a zero or five at the end of it. So in other words, if I put $50 of gas in, it's 5014, I'll either try to go one cent more or six cents more to get to that, that roundish kind of number of five or, or zero. Why? I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. So when I get gas, I just... Put it on the auto click until it's done, yeah. until it's full. Right, and I'm saying, but if it's any other number but a five or a zero at the end, I keep going. It, like it could be overflowing on me, and it, I have, it's a weird thing. That I is a very weird. It's thing. an OCD very kind weird. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't that what you said about the two twenty four? Like you would have thought if his alarm goes off at two twenty five, it's more normal than two twenty four. Correct. Two, yeah, two twenty four is just an odd number. To yeah, me. Oh, I know. I agree. I think he was just calling in shot for how many receiving yards Tyreek Hill was going to have. There you go. There you is go. That, wait, is that exactly it. the number? It was uh, over two hundred, right? No, it was two hundred fifteen yards. Okay, so now he's going to wake up at two fifteen. That's a good one. Mike McDaniel should wake up equivalent to the number of receiving yards <laughs> Tyree that Tyreek Hill has. Yeah, absolutely. So hey, I got to wake up at one ten in the morning. <laughs> So we're going to revisit this Tua versus Justin Herbert thing forever. Of yeah. course, we are. I'm going to throw a little curveball at, at you on this. Isn't it somewhat the coaching? And I'm not of taking course. anything away from Tua, but I just have no belief in the combo of Brandon Staley and, and now Kellen Moore in the mix with the Chargers. If Justin Herbert was playing for Mike McDaniel, I think Justin Herbert would be better right now than Tua would be. Here's why I have a hard time saying that, because Tua is one of the most accurate quarterbacks, if not the most accurate quarterback in the National Football League. And it plays well with the personnel that they have around him. Like Tyreek Hill had five catches of 15-plus air yards or more in that game. So what that does is that it stretches the field and creates so much space underneath for other Dolphins receivers to get involved. Tua yesterday had 282 yards passing and two touchdowns on throws in between the numbers. You don't get space to have that kind of productivity on those throws in between the numbers unless you got Tyreek Hill stretching the defense vertically. So it's just the perfect blend, the perfect match of personnel and skill set, which is why the Dolphins traded the farm in order to bring Tyreek Hill over from the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of years ago. But this offense, the way that Mike McDaniels has designed it with all of the crossing routes, all of the Chinas, and then Tyreek Hill taking the top off of the defense, it's unstoppable if Tua remains healthy. That's how good they are. Yesterday was not an aberration. No. Again, this offense averaged 8.2 yards per play. There was no other offense in week one 
that averaged more than six yards per play. And the average for across all 14 games was 14.8 yards per play. So all I'm saying is this offense is the most explosive offense in the NFL when Tua is healthy. I was just going to say, isn't that the question, though? Last year, we knew Tua was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. He was leading in a lot of different categories. That offense was potent last year. The question isn't, can Tua do it? Can Tua sustain it? Is he a good fit? It's, can he stay healthy? Because when he's on the field, we know what he can do from a production standpoint. No question. I think that that's the big deal, is whether or not he can stay healthy. I've also been anti-lefty quarterback. I just don't think lefty quarterback. <laughs> what do you have lefties? Well, nothing against lefties, against lefty quarterbacks. What's your beef with them? Well, like if you, I know you're a lefty, right? I'm just wondering, what's your but, beef? But you're not a quarterback. Could be. No. <laughs> no. Could you be? No. Can I... you throw? No. No. We know no. you can. We know you can rush the passer as you're going up against Flozell <laughs> Adams. Exactly. Soon. Um, no, but I just, I, we haven't seen a lefty quarterback successful in this league to that level since Steve Young. And it's been a long period of time, and I just think the way that the ball is released, how it goes. I know that's a kind of an archaic take to some extent, but I've never been a big believer in the lefty quarterback. There's something two is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. There's just something about that situation that makes me feel like they'll almost get there, but never actually get but there. But you got to give credit where credit is. Yesterday, to go yes. on the road yeah. in week one and have that kind of statement win in a back and forth game. That was a one possession game throughout. That was mm-hmm. closely contested. And the fact that Tua was able to come up and, and make plays and make big throws, I think is a testament to his mental toughness, his, his fortitude. And if he continues to display that throughout the course of the entire regular season without having any injuries, without dealing with concussions, then how could you not look at the Miami Dolphins as a team that can not only win the AFC East, but a team that can represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? Well, here's the thing that I think you have now said without saying it. If you're right about the Dolphins and they are the main competitor to the Kansas City Chiefs, two is going to be the MVP of the league this year. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. Halfway through last year, he was the MVP front runner. Like, he was that dude. It was Tua, and then it was Jalen Hurts, and then Tua got knocked out after, uh, you know, even after he got knocked out against Cincinnati, he came back and was able to put together some really good games. And people were saying, this dude still might win MVP despite missing a couple of ball games. But when you have to deal with the concussions and the overall injury history, it's hard not to hedge against what the Dolphins can potentially be. But last year coming into the season, there was a question of whether or not Tua could do it. This year, it's not a question of whether he can do it. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy. Well, there was a question about whether or not Nuno would do it, by the way, (laughs) our producer of this show, because there was a bet made between Nuno and Bubba from Greeny, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time on many of our great ESPN stations across the country. And Nuno is a diehard Giants fan. Bubba is a diehard Cowboys fan. And the bet was the loser would have to wear the other team's jersey. And uh, Nuno has, uh, I don't know if he's paying Jerry off today to not show him on camera or what's going on, but there he is. Oh, there he is. Diehard Giants fan. Nuno in a Cowboys white and blue Dak Prescott jersey. Hello, Nuno. (laughs) What's up? Good night for you last night, Nuno? Oh, it was horrendous. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just done. It's over. I'm miserable. Even more miserable than I normally am after a giant loss. At least this jersey fits a little bit better. The first one, which was the Micah Parsons, felt like a sundress. 
Nuno, is there any consolation that you were able to go to sleep a little bit earlier? Yes, last I'm sorry. Yeah, I him. wasn't though <laughs> because I, the game was at, uh, it was over at half half it was it, over at halftime. It was, but like even though I didn't like I checked out or I shut the TV off when Gano sliced that and I'm being nice. Um, why are you going forward? Why are you kicking a field goal when you're down twenty six nothing? That was, like, that was absolutely ridiculous. Like, I couldn't fall asleep, so I constantly was checking Twitter and just getting agitated because I just couldn't <laughs> fall asleep. So yeah, it, it's a mess. Yeah, I mean, Nuno brings up a great point because I put it on the group chat last night. The only thing more ridiculous than settling for a field goal in the red zone when you're down 26 points is missing said field goal. Yeah, the only thing that I was paying attention to in the group chat was finally when CC said we can go to sleep. That was the best part of the group (laughs) chat last night. Yeah, I mean, there was no reason to stay up and watch the second half of that game last night. He put us to bed. There was no reason. I mean, what was the the purpose? Papa CC put Smalls and Evan to bed last night. What was the point? Go to sleepy now, boy. It was awful. (laughs) Oh, trust me, we appreciate it. Put us to sleep tonight. Halftime. Blowout Rodgers. I don't like the Bills. Listen, this is a good question. I mean, I don't like the Jets. If there is a blowout tonight, who's more likely? To be on the winning side. Good question. Like, we'll get to it, that it, coming up. Uh-huh. Here we go. Well, there we but go. first, there we are go. we closer to Texas being back or Nick Saban <laughs> being done? Next on Unsportsman Life. <laughs> we all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. The highlights, courtesy of the Colorado Buffaloes Radio Network, and then Shadur Sanders after that. Colorado with a big 36-14 victory in front of these guys. Wu-Tang was there. Oh, yeah. Who wasn't there is more important. Exactly. Michael three Irvin of us. was there. Shannon Sharp was mm-hmm. there. Stephen A. was there. I love how they have the TikTok ah, or the Instagram post time. where they're pulling up on their private jets and meeting on the tarmac. Unreal. I mean, it's just, it's just levels to this thing. <laughs> There's levels to this thing. But, I mean, clearly there are levels to this thing when it comes to coaching in NIL because Dion has turned around the Colorado Buffaloes quicker than anybody expected. Quicker than, and it's unbelievable to see how good Shador Sanders is. And I kept thinking to myself, this guy is the front runner for the Heisman, and yet he's being overshadowed by his head coach. Yeah. How often does that happen in college football? You usually don't see that. But the the story in college football is Deion Sanders. He is the biggest name. He is the biggest draw. And it's clear based on all the celebs going to Boulder, Colorado for their first home game. You know what it reminds me of is USC back in the day when the sidelines were anybody who was anybody in Hollywood was on the sidelines for USC football. It feels like Colorado is that. It's the destination. Dion's got a gravitational pull. He is the center of college football right now. So that was the way it was in Miami. I did post game for Miami for three years and I I I covered the team a little bit beforehand and you stand on the sidelines and it was the weirdest collection of people you'll ever see in your entire life. So like there was one day where I remember I was standing there and it was A-Rod Ken Dorsey, 
and Scott Stapp, the lead singer of Creed. What? It was just like, what is happening here, right? But USC had Will Ferrell, had Snoop Dogg, and all the yeah. yeah. I mean, Colorado is becoming that. Yeah, the way that Shannon Sharp was waiting for Stephen A. It was like, you know, it was like basically when James Harden got off the plane and Daryl Morey was standing there waiting for him, <laughs> and uh, that didn't work out. Stephen A. and uh, Shannon Sharp already working out better. First take, shout out to Stephen A. Than uh, what happened with Morey and Harden there, but Colorado. You know what? I have an issue with one thing with Colorado. They're only 18th in the power rankings. I mean, in the, in the AP, eight. That's it. 18. They haven't shown you enough. And I understand TCU is not what they were a year ago. And I understand Nebraska stinks. But 18 seems really low with the Heisman front runner right now and Shadur Sanders, who on the season, two games, 69 of 89, 903 yards, and six touchdowns with no interceptions. Heisman front runner at quarterback. They should be higher than 18. I can explain to you why they are 18. Go ahead. Well, here's the thing. I mean, they had first and goal from the two-yard line, and they had to settle for a field goal in that situation in the third quarter because they don't have the big boys on front. They they can't run the football. They can't control the line of scrimmage when they need to. I mean, Shador Sanders, even though he put up huge numbers, he was sacked seven or eight times in that game against Nebraska, constantly under duress. And so – I think that is the biggest distinguishing factor from them and the teams that we expect to be in the college football playoff, just how they are on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Colorado has got some room to grow. Coach Prime has said as much in the past. Like, that's the area that they have to improve in. But skill position players, the back seven of that defense, the quarterback, check on all of those. Like, Deion Deion Sanders has made this program take a quantum leap in comparison to where they were a year ago. Oh, my God. They've already doubled their win total in two games against two Power 5 teams. I know everybody wants to try to minimize this in some way, ask if it's sustainable. I'm in no way going to discount what Dion has done with Colorado. How many coaches would say, give me a three-year runway to rack up a handful of wins? And he's already going out there and doing it in the first two games. And the team, yes, there's questions about the team, questions about the offensive line, but they they are the biggest story in college football right now. It's uh, awesome. I agree with you. I mean, boy, what a weird way of saying it, What you the way you just said it. They doubled their win total from a year ago through two games. Yeah, that's how bad they yeah. were. They were 1-11. <laughs> last year with their one win and overtime victory over Cal. I mean, that is remarkable. The other huge story from college football over the weekend, obviously, was Alabama upset at home by Texas, 34-24. And Quinn Ewers, I mean, it's weird to say it, but if he doesn't get hurt last year, he would be 2-0 against Alabama, which, like, nobody's 2-0 against Alabama. And he's a Texas quarterback who lost all the weight, cut the hair, he doesn't have the mullet anymore. A lot of people (laughs) speculated, no mullet, no success, just throwing that out there. (laughs) But he's got the shaved head, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's holding off Arch Manning. You can't play Arch Manning with the way that Quinn Ewers is playing. So what's closer now to being true? Texas is back, or Saban is done? I think it's Saban is done. Uh, the rest of the SEC is catching up to where Alabama once was. They haven't won the conference in a couple of years, I think 2020. And you're looking at the dominance of Kirby Smart over at Georgia. That's not slowing down anytime soon. So I think with the world of NIL and the transfer portal, players that usually would rate around two or three seasons for Nick Saban to allow them to be contributors, to be starters, are going to other programs. And there are other programs that have more NIL money Then Alabama does, Texas does, Georgia does. So when you start looking at the landscape of college football and how things have shifted over the past four or five years, I think it's easy to see why Nick Saban would start to, I guess, regress back to the pack to some degree. Mm -hmm. And Saturday night's game against Texas, Texas was just a microcosm of that. 
I can't believe I'm going to say it this, but I think we're closer to Texas being back. And I know we've had some false starts for, what, a decade now where we yeah. keep saying Texas is Texas back. Texas and Miami, same thing. Yeah, and Every they, year. they yeah. regress to, back to the mean. And Miami had a great win over A&M, but go ahead. Sorry. Yes, but you know what I'm saying? We keep yes. saying Texas is back since Joe Tess had that famous line. And then it's they, they take one step forward, two steps back. But I look at this team, and I think they could be absolutely legit. They've got all the pieces in place. They have a, a – Quinn Ewers looks legit. He's got a lot of weapons around him. I think that this Texas team – could be moving in the right direction. I think Steve Sarkeesian has a moving in the right direction. Yeah, he does. I don't think there's any argument there. I don't know. I mean, you win against Alabama, and you should have won last year if Ewers doesn't get hurt. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, you have a top five quarterback in college football, and the guy behind him, his last name is Manning, and he was the number one quarterback in his recruiting class. I mean, having the most important position settled for the foreseeable future for the next four or five years – Pretty good place to be if you're Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. Absolutely. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We want to hear from you on the sportsmanlike and unsportsmanlike moments of the weekend. One that could be a nominee for unsportsmanlike moment, college football. NC State, it's unfortunate, they spent $15 million on this new big scoreboard. A thunderstorm basically knocked out the scoreboard this weekend. Like, destroyed the score. (laughs) Candy's laughing at somebody else's $15 million investment. That's your problem. You spent 15 and you can't hold up with water there. But, yeah, a thunderstorm this weekend. Unfortunate for NC State as a $15 million scoreboard basically got destroyed uh, this weekend. All right, coming up, love versus fields. Everybody was hyping it going into the weekend. Do you love fields or was it a fields of love? Next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, with you, Packers Radio, Jordan Love, after that. 38-20, Packers win yesterday over the Chicago Bears. In Chicago. You know, of all of the performances yesterday, the Cowboys were unbelievable. 40-0 victory over the Giants. The Niners, as we've discussed, dominant performance. Arguably the best team in the NFC. The Browns were awesome in their win against the Bengals. Joe Burrow and company not really doing anything in the preseason. Maybe treating this as a preseason. There may not have been a more important win in the entire NFL yesterday than the one that the Green Bay Packers had over the Chicago Bears. Because how many other games can you sit there and say, this is three to four years worth of work culminating in the first start as the full-time starter for Jordan Love, and there was an organizational belief that this guy could be the guy after Rodgers. And there was a moment post-game 
where Brian Gutekunst, the general manager of the Packers, was waiting for all of the players to leave the field after their 18-point victory, three-touchdown performance by Love. And he embraced Jordan Love, and he gave him this big hug, and there was something to that of like, see, I told you so. And Love looked awesome. I don't think there was a more important win yesterday than the Green Bay Packers over the Chicago Bears when it comes to an organizational success meter than what we saw with that. I guess the most surprising thing about that game yesterday is that it felt like business as usual for the Packers. Mm-hmm. It, it just did. I, I mean, you, I thought that Jordan Love could step in and give you competent quarterback play, but the guy actually stepped up and made some big-time throws. I mean, on a deep crosser to Luke Musgrave, that was a hell of a throw by Jordan Love. And then in the third quarter, the red zone fade route that he threw to Romeo Dobbs, he put that ball only where his receiver could make a play for it. Right over the defender's helmet, like they teach quarterbacks to make. Of course, the defender being a man, he's got his back turned. Dobbs goes up and makes a play on it. But it's perfect ball placement. And those are the things that you want to see from a guy that's been in your program three and a half years. So Jordan Love stepped up and operated the offense to a T. So I give credit where credit is due. But the other thing that stood out to me about the Packers' performance yesterday, E, was the defensive guys that they drafted high stepping up and making plays. Mm -hmm. Devontae Wyatt, first-round drafting a defensive tackle a year ago, sack and a half. Also, your guy Quay Walker, first-round draft pick from a year ago, interception, pick six to the house, touchdown. Like, those guys are going to have to step up and make plays if this Packers team is going to be a playoff outfit. But, yeah, I I think this team absolutely has a chance to compete in the NFC North, a division that we all said preseason was going to be the most closely contested division in all of football. Back to Jordan Love for a second. He completed eight of ten passes on third and fourth down on Sunday. He converted seven for first downs. Can you imagine if after three years of discussion about this pick, especially knowing that it's kind of the the first domino that allowed Aaron Rodgers to fall out the door because he was very offended by the fact that they picked Jordan Love. If he went out after three years and did not look like he did yesterday, it, it would have been... Uh, a huge story nationally. We would have been all talking about it wall to wall. I think this was such a statement win by the Packers yesterday. And conversely, the Bears. We've been talking about the Bears and Justin Fields finally being the guy taking that next step, and it did not look like the Bears were ready for this yesterday. Well, it's a good point on the Packers. Let me just add on to that. So I'm somebody that thought before the season, all offseason, Vikings under, Vikings under, Vikings under. Won too many close games last year. I, I thought they were a sneaky, on-the-fly rebuild that nobody was talking about. They let Dalvin Cook go. They let Adam Thielen go. There were moves they were making. They're like, okay, so they're they're going to really insert a lot of these young guys. You look like Nostradamus right now with your Viking stuff. I'm just – I had a weird <laughs> feeling. <laughs> you do. <laughs> well, I, and, and I've said to CeCe many times off the air, I'll bring it on the air, I'm like, I think Kirk Cousins finishes the year on another team. I just yep. have this weird feeling about that, right? CeCe came on the air, and Smalls, you and I were laughing at him the other night because he comes on the air on Friday – Hyping up the Lions on Thursday saying, I know they won. I didn't like them. I didn't like them. Yeah. And now the Bears look like this. So let's go even further. Why can't the Packers flat out win the NFC North? They can. If they have that kind of quarterback they, they, play? They, they can, though. Yeah. They, they can. I mean, here's the thing. The question about the Packers is, what's Jordan Love going to look like? Yep. If he gives them competent quarterback play, can their defense be good enough to hold opposing offenses down? Well, the defense showed that yesterday. Now, I have to give a little caveat here because the Chicago Bears offense kept shooting themselves in the foot, and I brought up Braxton Jones' penalties. Yeah. You're talking about a guy that accounted for four of the Bears' seven penalties yesterday. Think about it. Two holding calls, two false starts. Those things are drive killers. And when you start talking about second and long and third and long, you're putting Justin Fields at risk. And, of course, defensively, 
Uh, they can come up with more complex uh, coverages, Joe Barry and that defense, more complex schemes. And so that's the part that I didn't like from the Bears' offense. I didn't think that they actually gave Justin Fields a chance to display his full talent and to put them in position to try to win a game. He showed some flashes of being able to overcome some adverse circumstances at times, but they asked him to do it too often, and that's why they got blown out at home. One more thing about the Packers. Yes, it's always important to win games, especially against a division rival and especially to open the season and set the tone. But do you think there's anything more to this win after we've had this offseason of Aaron Rodgers yes. and the Jets where yes. everyone is talking about Rodgers? He's the consummate teammate. He's on hard knocks and everyone's in awe of him. People in New York can't believe he's there on the team. The players can't believe he's there. He's running everything and the manner in which he always wanted in New York. So if he comes out and balls tonight on Monday Night Football and the Packers didn't have the performance Jordan Love didn't have the performance that he had today I imagine that anxieties would be high in Green Bay 100 percent 100 percent absolutely correct because Jordan Love is intentionally quiet he's not doing a lot of media he's not going out there and look hey I'm I'm the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers now when's the last time the Packers had a quiet offseason well, it's I don't know been, that they had a quiet offseason, but it's while. not their team that's loud. It's the impact on their fans. But, but yeah, but Because the, the Rodgers stuff is impactful to the them. The Rodgers stuff is impactful, but I'm talking about around the team. Around no them. drama. No drama. No drama. It hasn't been OTAs, minicamp, yeah. training Shout camp. out to Mary it's J. Been, it's been quiet. It's been quiet. Yeah. And, and now you're starting to see what the hell has been going on behind the scenes. Jordan Love getting ready to lead this team and make it more competitive than folks gave him credit for coming into the year. Less talking, more working. There you go. More, you know, How no, do we do that on the radio? Not that there was a lack of work before, but they just don't need the spotlight right but now. But here's the other thing. There's no uncertainty in the locker room about the quarterback position right now. You haven't been able to say that for years mm-hmm. around Green Bay because of the specter of Aaron Rodgers and him potentially leaving after every season. Yes, but you're still dealing with the Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You'll take that. Here's the thing that would drive me nuts. It wasn't Hall of Fame last year. Well, if I'm, if I'm a Bears fan, if I'm a Lions fan, if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm sitting back today and saying, you got to be freaking kidding me. <laughs> this organization has had a Hall of Fame quarterback for the last 30 to 40 years. Do they have another one? And I'm not saying he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying I'm sitting back and I'm like, come on. Really? They're supposed to be the easy win. And now you have Jordan Love looking like that. I am miserable today if I'm a Bears, Lions, or Vikings fan thinking that this organization that always hits on QBs may have done it again. Maybe this is the lesson to everybody else around the National Football League. Draft a quarterback before you need him. Absolutely. Draft the quarterback before you need him. Give him time. Give him time. Maybe, maybe that's the lesson behind it. We'll see what ends up happening. It usually doesn't work out that way. But if the Green Bay Packers can go from Hall of Famer Brett Favre to Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers and then to Jordan Love, a guy that could potentially win the division in year one as a starter, maybe there's something to that. It would drive me absolutely crazy because there are friends. I mean, think about the, the franchise that Aaron Rodgers just went to, right? People have been looking for quarterbacks at different franchises for so long. Look at the Bears. Look at the Bears. Look at the Bears. Right. Yeah, I don't have to look much further than the <laughs> team they the played team yesterday. They yeah. And they thought that they had it, they have it in Justin Fields. And, and they still may. And they still may, yeah. but how disappointing if you're a Bears fan to that think would, this might yeah. be our opportunity to exert ourselves. And then here comes Jordan Love. Yeah, it's such it's such a crushing game. It is such a crushing game yesterday to think that this was going to be the year. Justin Fields was the, the hottest 
sleeper MVP pick when it comes to Vegas. Everybody was loving the idea of great odds. Justin Fields can be that guy. And now yesterday, you not only lose at home, you get destroyed. Absolutely destroyed. Jordan Love throws for three touchdowns, no picks. His mom has good seats finally. (laughs) Everything went against you. It would be absolutely crushing. Maybe not as much as it went against Nuno, our producer, because he has to wear a Cowboys jersey all day today. As a Giants fan, lost the bet to Bubba from Greeny, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time. We will dive into the absolute and utter destruction of the New York Giants by the Dallas Cowboys next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.